the intersection of quantum physics, metaphysics, and psychology, how the three come together in a very practical way. And that is what purpose-focused leadership actually is. So it's love plus action from a soulful place, from a purpose-driven place. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Mentors. Today we have on Dove Barron. Dove is the leading expert on developing authentic leadership, and authentic leadership can be defined as a leadership style that focuses heavily on honesty, trustworthiness, empathy, and vulnerability. He is the founder of Full Monty Leadership and the Authentic Speaker Academy for Leadership. He has the global number one podcast for Fortune 500 leaders, which is titled Dove Barron's Leadership and Loyalty Tips for Executives. He has been cited as one of the top 100 leadership speakers to hire, 100 motivational speakers, and named as one of the top 30 global leadership gurus. This episode will work a little bit differently from others. We have decided to split up this one amazing conversation into three different segments, one posted each day after the other. I am so excited to share this interview with everyone. Dove provides excellent wisdom and told fantastic stories about his life experiences. There is something everyone can take away from these episodes. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Mentors Podcast. Today, we have on Dove Barron. Dove, thank you so much for being on. My absolute pleasure. I'm excited to be here, and I'm honored to be invited. Oh, thank you. Well, I'm excited to be here again. Dove and I had some internet troubles, and we just got back on for the second time. So, Dove, you have to put up with this again for the second time. Um, what is your origin story? Well, hold on. I have I... to read my notes. Oh, okay. <laughs> Not at all, right? So yeah, we we and just in case anybody doesn't know, we just recorded and we went into this and then suddenly it all went away. So yeah, yeah. Um, my origin story, as I said, is I was born in Northern England uh, in abject poverty, uh, around a lot of addiction and violence and all those kinds of things, and made the decision pretty young that I didn't want to be part of that. I didn't never felt like I fit in. I always felt like I was an alien anyway. And then when I was uh, about ten. Uh, something happened that made me realize that there was a possibility of a bigger picture, that I wasn't limited to where I was. And at 14, I made the cognitive decision to move away. And my mother didn't believe me, but I made the decision. And then at 21, I did leave the UK. And uh, as I always say, I, the reason I have a Labradoodle accent is because I've lived around the world in different countries and traveled and studied around the world. So uh, that's kind of where it all started for me. No, definitely. And like I said before, and I'll say it again, it is amazing that you were able to travel the world and go so many places and learn so many different religions, especially at a young age. Mm -hmm. um, and, then I, and then I wanted to ask, uh, how did religion correlate into everything you do today, especially in terms right. of authentic leadership and purpose in one's life? Thank you. And I appreciate you asking about that because it is a weird and wonderful path in that um, I, I certainly know that when I started, I didn't think that it was going to lead me to leadership. But I traveled the world, as you said, uh, to study these different religious philosophies. I started out with Kabbalah when I was a very little boy, uh, then studied an, um, different other philosophies, Buddhism, the Tao, Gnostic Christianity, Coptic Christianity, Vedanta, which is Hindu philosophy, and all these different religious philosophies. And while I was studying them, um, the center of each of them was not the not the rituals, not the practices, but the central philosophy of all of them was love. And love is not in the romantic sense, but more in the in the agape sense, which is a grander sense of love. And 
a lot of time that is kind of thrown around. You've got to, um, you know, people, they don't really understand what love is, but it's a grander thing than romance. And so in, in understanding all that in those religious philosophies, um, what I also understood was that many of the people I met were uh, very loving and very spiritual, and they could certainly tell me what way my chakra was spinning, but they couldn't hold down a freaking job or a relationship, and they frustrated the hell out of me. So I went off and started studying psychology, and then studied psychology, became fascinated with that, and trained and became a counselor and a therapist, and did all those things, and got certifications and all kinds of that, and got really sick of people moaning, complaining, and whining over and over again and playing victims. So now I've got these spiritual people who know all this stuff, but can't do anything in that world. And I have these psychological people who, you know, could tell me uh, things about their psychology, but they were stuck in victim mode. That wasn't working. So I started studying what in those days, in the 80s, was called the psychology of excellence, which today we call leadership. There I found enormously successful people that I studied with and, and mentored under, but I found very often that they were kind of soulless. They felt yeah. uh, emotionally void and... Uh, they were aspiring for greater and greater success, and yet at the same time, feeling less and less joy and, and less and less fulfillment. Uh, then in 84, I started, I, I literally stumbled into studying quantum physics, and started studying quantum physics, and then later on wrote a dissertation on the intersection of quantum physics, metaphysics, and psychology, how the three come together in a very practical way, and that is what purpose focused leadership actually is so it's love plus action from a soulful place from a purpose-driven place and that I always see within one person I know that you know that the greatest leaders today are very loving they're very passionate people and they take action they're going for it they're going for a purpose but something you also specialize in is how to disperse that amongst a team and mm -hmm. I know that sometimes the answer is, okay, well, you know, it has to be greater than yourself, right? This, this mission has to be greater than yourself. But is that enough in a team? Is that enough to say, well, this project is huge, it's bigger than all of us, but we're all going to work towards it. Is that enough to motivate a team and to make them fiercely loyal? No, not at all. Mm -hmm. Thank you for asking that. And you're right. I mean, that, we talk a lot about that in my book, Fiercely Loyal. So, yes, we have to be tied to uh, a bigger outcome. But it's not the outcome that actually matters. It's the purpose. So, yes, we're working on this big project. I was just uh, speaking with one of my clients in California this morning. Uh, you know, she's working on this enormous project, and it's overwhelmingly big. Mm -hmm. um, and we're talking about how do you get the team more involved? How do we get them? And, and, I, and she's like, well, I've really, you know, we've been working together. So I've really articulated my purpose really well. And, and I said, that's great. What's theirs? Mm. And she went, what do you mean? I said, have you found their purpose? And she goes, well, no, they've not done the work with you. Said, no, no, but you have to find out what their purpose is. What gets them out of bed in the morning? That has to be tied to this great purpose of what you're doing because it's wonderful to be tied to something that's magnificent because we believe it's magnificent. Mm -hmm. But if the people I've got involved with me have just got the skills, but they don't, feel the magnificence of it to them, how it matters to them, why they got to get out of bed in the morning. They're not going to get out of bed in, in, inspired. They're going to be inspired by your inspiration, but they're not inspired for their own heart and soul level. And that's what we've got to bring to them. So 
why does this so susie why does this matter to you john why does this matter to you fred why does this matter to you each individual why does this matter to you don't tell me why it matters to me. Don't tell me the grand picture. Tell me what's getting you out of bed in the morning to go do this. Because the thing about it is, whatever it is, there's going to be shitty things you have to do as well. Oh, yeah. And 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 to, to fulfill this purpose that we're working towards, then we have got to be connected to it enough that we're willing to change the diapers, as I like to say. <laughs> Definitely. And, and, you know, I think that's where company mission statements can get a little messy oh, is like yeah. when they have their why their purpose you know um and then every the team just kind of like mimics that like oh well, we have this grander purpose but that's not theirs but as that leader as that authentic leader how like how have you seen that effectively been done how do you reach out to every team like what if you have a company of of a hundred people oh well we've worked with uh, companies that have got Thousands of people. So <laughs> so first and foremost is we have to know, we as in the people who are central to, to the organization, we have to know what our purpose is. We've got to get really, really clear about what it is to us. We have to articulate that really clearly well. And then we have to, so I work with the uh, president or CEO and then the C-suite of that group. We, we, we come together. But from there... What we want to do is have each of them go out into their teams and do exactly the same work. Because somebody has to become the, the, um, the concierge of this purpose. So if you're, if you're the uh, CMO, then I want you to go and not only speak about our purpose, but before you speak about our purpose, I want you to go and, and I'm going to give you three to five questions which are going to allow you to elicit the first part of each team members knowing what their purpose is and then tie it to our purpose. So that's what each member does. So then each team is going out to do that. So it just, it spreads like wildfire. And the wonderful thing about it is this, and this is, we talk about this a lot in Fiercely Loyal. It's a magnet. And if you've ever seen a, a U-shaped magnet at one side, if you put, if you put another magnet exactly the same next to this, it will, it will repel, it will flip. So the thing, one side attracts and one side repels. And purpose is a magnet. It should repel as well as it attracts. It's equal. So we want to push out the people who are not a fit. And we want to attract in the ones who are. Not because there's anything wrong with them. There's nothing wrong with them. It's just not a fit for us or what it is that we're doing. And we want to pull them in so they're like, oh, yeah, I can't wait to work here. And the ones who are repelled out are not repelled out because they hate you. It's just like it's not aligned for them. And that's okay. Definitely. And I see that a lot with um, not earlier companies, but you know, you want to cater to everyone. You're like, well, who doesn't want to work for me? I, I have this great mission. I have this great idea. Everyone should want to work for me. How do you determine? Because it's a great way to, you know, like have that repulsion. So you don't have to like pick and choose who's coming in. Um, how do you help kind of repel? Nothing's wrong with them, but how do you help repel those people? Well, you know, it's interesting because we're actually right back to love. Mm -hmm. So here's the thing. I'm going to give you a different analogy, which I think is going to help. And um, for many years, I had a public seminar company. We taught many different programs across a wide variety of subjects. Uh, and it was all my IP, all my intellectual property. And one of the things that we taught was a program called Authentic Soulmates. And we talked about authentic soulmates for couples and authentic soulmates for singles, two separate programs. 
that actually I co-facilitated with my wife. And one of the things we said is, one of the problems in relationship today in the modern world is that people divorce when they hate each other. That's a terrible, terrible thing to do. And people go, what do you mean? Well, you should actually divorce when you love each other. And people say, how can that possibly be? Well, because I love you, but we're not going to the same place. So I want to divorce and I want to, uh, I want to facilitate my team divorcing me and me divorcing them out of a place of love, out of a place of agape, which is I love you enough to recognize that this is not a fit. So how can I serve you? How can I assist you? You know, so Tony Shea did that uh, with Zappos. He would actually pay for people to leave. That's a great mechanism because I love you enough to say, let's go out in the world. Because if, if you're working for me and, and you're, 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 um, you're doing great, uh, but it's not a fit with what we do and I can see great things about you. And I said, well, hold on a second. Let's see if we can facilitate you finding a place that's better for you and, and finding out what you're really good at and how to bring it to the, to the surface. Then when you leave, you're going to go away and you're going to go, hey, listen, you know, it wasn't a fit for me. But listen, you're my mate and I think you're awesome and you should go work for Dove because Dove was great and his company's fabulous. Just wasn't what I was doing. But you've got the skills. You become an evangelist for my organization because I'm purpose focused and I give a shit. And that is rare. That is actually a really smart way of doing things. I've seen that I've seen that um, a little more with some more modern companies. I know for a fact, like um, Gary V is a good example where yep. he'll have people that build their own companies while they're with him and they're like, hey Gary, I love you, but I've learned a lot from you. I'm gonna take off. And he's like, great, amazing, go take off. I want you to, I want you to go and expand. Absolutely, Get, Gar, uh, Gary's company does a great deal uh, job with that. Um, Claude is very good. Claude Silver, who is his chief heart officer, is very good at facilitating that in, in people. We had a guy work for us, um, a millennial, who was who worked for us for six years, which is extraordinarily long time. Mm -hmm. um, and he was working with me for about three months, and I called him in, and I said, uh, I just want to have a chat with you about working here. And he's like, oh, okay, cool. And I said, uh, do you like it here? And he's like, yeah, I do. And I said, yeah, you're doing great. I said, I just want you to know something. And he goes, what? I said, you're going to leave. He goes, no, I'm not. I, I, I like it here. I said, no, no. I want you to understand you are going to leave at some point. Mm -hmm. So let's get that out on the table. Let's be honest about it because you don't have to sneak around. Yeah. You're going to work for me. I'm going to train you. I'm going to give you skills you never even dreamed of having. And we're going to, and we're going to work together and we're going to grow you at an exponential level. I'm going to keep growing you until the point comes where you feel big enough, strong enough to walk out and do your own thing. And when you do, I'm going to be your first customer. That's why you need to tell me in advance. He worked for me for six years. When he walked away, he started his own media company. And guess who was his first customer? I was. That's amazing. That's amazing. And I love the fact that you're taking care of these people. You know, it's, it's not soulless. It's not cold hearted. You love someone enough to where you let them go do something greater. So you go do something like more cater to them. How, how did you cultivate that yourself? Because I know it comes from love, but how did you learn to become that authentic leader? And similarly, how can we all learn to become authentic leaders? Uh, I don't know <laughs> if everybody will like this answer, but I'm going to give it anyway. Yeah. And that is you <laughs> have to get to a place where you love enough to not give a shit. Mm -hmm. um, and so it's the very opposite of what you think. So when people will say things like, I don't care, of course you care. You're a human. 
Humans care. We do care. But you have to decide who you care about. You have to decide whose opinion you're going to listen to. Because here's the deal. You know, I, I lived in Australia for many, many years. Um, and there they have a saying, it's called tall poppy syndrome. And that is if you pop your head above the others, people will lop your head off. It means they don't actually, they're not very entrepreneurial. They're a, more a socialist culture. And wonderful people, I love them to bits. And I lived there and was very successful there and ran businesses there. So it's not any of that. My point is that there are always going to be people who say you shouldn't, you can't, you, you, you know, and they want to want to hold you down. And here's the thing. If you and I go for a walk in your hometown, there's probably a place where homeless people are. There's probably a part of that city where, where you can go and there's homeless people. Now, if you and I go down that, down that area and we start asking people for, what's your best stocks and shares advice? How do you think I should invest? Do you think we're going to get any good input? Oh, I would imagine not. <laughs> no, of course not, right? Um, we're probably going to get some terrible input. Now, so why the hell are you doing that in business? Why are you turning to people who don't know or don't understand and asking for advice? Your mom's saying to you, oh, I don't think you're very good at that. What do you actually know about it, mom? Nothing, but I know you. No, you don't know about this. <laughs> your mom can love you to bits. And mm -hmm. she genuinely probably does. But it doesn't mean she has expertise. And one of the things that I want everybody to know who's listening, and this is important, a wise man is a fool in his own village and a freaking idiot in his own house. And, or a wise woman is a fool in her own village and a freaking idiot in her own house. What I mean by that is everybody's got used to you. Everybody's categorized you and shoved you in boxes, and that's fine. That's great. But that doesn't mean that that's who you are. Mm -hmm. I grew up in a ghetto. I was supposed to get a job with a pension, get married, have, a, have two to three kids, and live happily ever after. My God, I would have killed myself or I would have become an alcoholic or a drug addict. I know that about myself. I'm really clear that that's who I would have become if I had not fulfilled this thing that burned in my, that was the fire in my soul, if I hadn't taken that. But everybody, when I was leaving the UK at 21, people, I remember sitting in the pub with my mates. Now, everybody should know this. In England, legal age of drinking is 18, which means we all start at 15. Uh, <laughs> Makes sense. And I remember sitting around the table with my mates, and every week everybody would complain. You know, they they complain about the weather, they complain about the economy, they complain. I mean, they just complain, right? And I would, and then I'd say, yeah, but I'm going to get out of here. And they'd say, yeah, me too. I'm going to move to Spain, and I'm going to move to Australia, and I'm going to move to you know. They'd all say wherever they were going to go. Great, fantastic. At 21, I walked in and I said, I'm out of here. And they're like, what are you talking about? I am I actually have a, I got a plane. I'm going next week. They're like, where are you going? I go, I'm moving to Canada. That was the first place I moved. Wow. I'd been to Italy and I'd been to France. I'd come back and I went, okay, I'm going to move to East Coast Canada. They're like, who do you know there? No one. You're moving there? Yeah, I got a job. How did you get a job? I jumped on a plane, went there, got a job. Really? Yeah, Okay. You can't do that. Why? Well, your family's here. Mm-hmm. Why else? Well, you know, we've got the beer. We've got Boddington's Bitter. We've got the pubs. Yeah, I don't really like beer. I don't care about the pubs. We've got Man United and Man City. Yeah, I haven't been to a game since I was 11. Why do I care? But all your friends are here. Well, I'll make new friends. 
everybody now i don't think that anybody sitting around that table disliked me i don't think anybody around that table wanted to uh, hold me down and repress me it was in their way a way to love me they were trying to yeah. keep me safe yeah but it was it was going to suffocate my soul and i was not going to do that and so i left now here's what's interesting mm -hmm. when i left and so I moved, as I said, I lived in different countries. I lived in Asia and Indonesia, as well as East Coast Canada, France and Italy. And then I lived for many years in Australia. And when I was leaving Australia, there was about 30 people at the airport who were my close friends. And you know what they all said? Mm. Can't believe you're going. You've had businesses here. You've got all these friends here. You've got fantastic weather. You've got all those things. And I went, I know. And they go, but you're going to Vancouver. And I said, I know. And they go... But who do you know there? No one. Do you have a job? No. Have you ever been there? No. When are you coming back? I'm not. This is it. So again, those people loved me. Mm -hmm. They wanted the best for me, but I had to decide what was on fire in my soul. So it's the same message here. You need to go ask people for advice who are fulfilling their purpose if that's what you want to do. And you cannot expect those who have abandoned their dreams to support you in yours.